Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Day right there for me, all right? If you've got a Bible, go ahead and uh, you can turn to the book of Acts. I'll get there in a second. Uh, I, I talk about this a lot, but um, do you remember, like for most people, Middle school, not great memories. Anybody, I mean, I talk about this a lot again, and not, especially the beginning of middle school. Like maybe it ended well, but often middle school starts pretty early as bad. And for many people, they don't recognize it and they don't process it, but it's the most terrifying time of their life, right? It is just entering middle school is bad. Because, because you don't, see, because like in elementary school, you were the top of the heap, right? You had everything figured out, and uh, you just kind of thought, you were young enough to think that's how life would always be, that you would have things figured out. And then you enter middle school, and there's a whole new social dynamic. There's a new social structure, and, 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 and if, forgive me if you're in middle school now, I'm not talking about you, of course, but middle schoolers, by and large, are awful people, right? They just... They, 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 like social skills are bad. Loving your neighbor as yourself is not exactly the highest priority, right? Uh, accompanied with, you know, hygiene issues, right? And, you know, girls are trying to figure out how to wear makeup so it looks like they use a spray can to put it all on. Dudes are trying to be cool and they just look like idiots, right? They just, like, it's, it's just a, it's just a bad time in most people's lives. And, um, you know, it, you, 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 you thought you knew who you were, and then you find out for the first time other people have stuff figured out that you don't have figured out. And um, you don't realize what's happening. And, and, and um, part of the problem is when you get to middle school, you don't know what cool is, and all of a sudden, for the first time in your life, you are desperate to figure that out, right? In elementary school, like, you know, you got new sneakers, and so you show people that you can run faster in them. Right? Like, that's part of the, one of the most disappointing parts of being an adult is I get new sneakers and nobody ever asked me if I can run fast in them. You know, like nobody, that's one of the most, when you're, you know, when you're a kid and you get new sneakers, and you're like, wow, I bet you can run fast in those. Like, let me show you. And they start running, right? And they're just so excited about how they're, and now an adult, you get new sneakers and people are just like, hey, where'd you get those? Because I'm going to get the same ones. You're like, no, I have them custom made. You can't have these, right? Like, but nobody asked me how fast I can run in them. And then you get to middle school and nobody asks you questions like that. And as a matter of fact, they tell you that to ask that is stupid, right? And um, like, like in, for the first time, you feel like a complete outsider and you have no clue no earthly idea how to become an insider. And so you grasp on to whatever model you might think is cool and you start being like them. And unfortunately, some people uh, uh, grab on to models that do not help them in their social situation. They uh, dress in ways that are not appreciated by the people around them. They start acting in ways that they think are cool but are really less cool than they think. Or, or some people just give up altogether and are um, socially ostracized, and um, it, it, it's a shock to the system. And I, and I bring this up for two reasons. Uh, the first one I had not planned. Um, you carry around trauma that you have not processed yet, and you don't recognize that that trauma is still dictating decisions in your life today. 
Most people pick their friend group in middle school, early high school, and it never changes. You pick an identity when you're somewhere around 12 or 13 with the worst influences in your life, with the least emotionally mature influences in your life, and you allow that to define the next 10, 15, 20 years. They say that you can tell when um, someone peaked in life uh, by the way they do their hair, right? Like, they, 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 like if you find a middle-aged person and you look at their hairstyle and you figure, oh, that was popular 20 years ago, that's when they peaked. Like when they finally felt cool, they started doing that and they've been that ever since, right? Uh, uh, this is, this is the, I got the hairstylist saying yes. People come in, I'm sure, and, she, and they're like, I'd like my hair to feathered. And they're like, no, no, nobody does that. Nobody, nobody does that. Please don't, don't do that. that. Nobody does that. But no, it looks great. The 80s were great for you, weren't they? Like the 80s were an amazing time for you. That's, that's something. And so, and so we, we, we don't examine our lives. We don't really know what is influencing us, what's dictating our decisions, nor do we actually get critical feedback on where do we actually want to go in life and what we would accomplish. I, I, um, I'm, I'm sad when I talk to people and I ask them questions like, hey, if you could do the last 20 years over, what would you do? And they say things like, huh, I never thought about that. I'm like, wow, you haven't examined your life at all. Like, I could give you a list of things I would do differently. I don't live in condemnation. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't live in, you know, regret and bitterness. But with wisdom, I like to look back and think, you know, how did I get here? And, and how could I be somewhere better? Uh, uh, I was asked recently, you know, if you could... Um, if you, if you somehow magically became uh, in the late teens again or middle teens again, what would you do? I said, well, I'd do homework. <laughs> right? I might not get as upset about stupid things. You know, might, I don't know, finish high school. That would probably be helpful. Right? Like, I, like the things that felt important in your middle uh, teen years, now you look back and you're like, None of these cool kids are ever going to accomplish anything in life. Stop trying to get them to approve of you, right? Like, they will have absolutely no bearing on your adult life unless you allow them to scar you now and you will be fighting them in your head for the next 15 years, right? It, it, am I speaking to anybody right now? Addicts, you know, learn how to deal with, with, with stressors in life and then they somehow get hooked to that one way of dealing with it and they can't fight that system in their life of substances ministering to their need. And I don't speak that with any judgment at all. I just say we get stuck in systems that we can't break and God has something better for all of us. Amen? Amen, He does. And um, what I see in the church often is the same thing, unfortunately. What, what, what I see is people, people uh, just like you go to middle school and you experience this new culture and you know that there is a pyramid of who's cool and who's not and, and, and given the choice, you'd like to be at the top, right? Uh, people come into the church and they experience God and it is a complete new world. It's a new life. It's a new language. It's a new ethos. There, there's a new way of doing things, a new social structure. And um, people experience the presence of God and God starts doing something deep on the inside of them and things start to change, yet they have no idea how to keep that going. 
they don't even have an idea that there's a concept of growing in that. There's a, there, there, there's a way that you can live your life to foster that, that you can learn the ways of God in a way that you don't have to keep going back and forth between two lifestyles. You can actually live in the land of promise. But there's no guide in middle school to, to walk you through that. But there is in the church. And, um, you know, we, 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 in this message series, we're starting today, calling it Becoming Like Jesus. The how and why of spiritual formation. What, what happens is you come into the church and we need to be spiritually formed to be in the likeness of Christ. And over the next four or five weeks, we are going to dig deep in this, in how we can submit ourselves to the way of spiritual formation so we can be conformed into the image of Christ so we can live in this new lifestyle, in this new kingdom that we've been adopted into. Amen? I think it's going to be good. I hope you got your pen and paper or your note-taking app ready. And um, please don't hang out on social media unless you're posting pictures of me, right? But other than that, you know, or your friend next to you or your coffee mug, hashtag Revival Life Church, hashtag y'all need some Jesus, right? Um, uh, let's, let's try to stay engaged. <clears throat> I, I, let's think about this, okay. So when we, when we enter a new season of life, um, we often don't know it. We often don't know when we're, we're switching from one season to another, except for the fact that we experience some turmoil or some hope, right? But we, don't, we, we rarely recognize the shifting of seasons because we are so addicted to keeping things the way they were that even when we're in a bad season, we try to keep it. Some of the most fruitful, man, there's some, let me tell you this, let me just, let me just talk a second. We got some, our life groups have kicked off and there are some powerful women's ministers being formed in this church. The testimonies I am getting, nothing against the men, I'm, you know, men are doing their thing, whatever, but, but the women are throwing down the gauntlet for the men in this house. The testimonies I am getting of women. See, men, men make bad decisions, we just don't admit it, right? Because we don't want to admit that anybody got over on us. But women are like, I was dating a dog, treated me like a dog, and I finally learned how to kick that dog to the curb, right? Like women, women will, and, 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 and like to watch a woman in a bad relationship, and you just want to be like, you know, you, you know, you deserve better. Like you could do better, right? Like I think you, I, I could, I, I, man, I'm okay. I'm, I'm just a second here. Let me tell you this. I meet, with, I meet with women who want to be married, and, and, and if you want to be married, I want you to be married, and God wants you to be married, right? Like, it's, it's like you would not have the desire if it were not a call on your life, men and women, amen? I want you to hear that. If you have the desire on your life, then it's God's desire. If you were called to be single, you would know it, you would embrace it, you would live for it, amen? And any one of you could get a man today if you wanted but that is not what you want, right? Like, like there's a reason, there's a reason we don't go grocery shopping at the dollar store. <laughs> there is a reason. 
because you do not want the rejected food building your life, right? This is not what you want to Now, when you're broke and you need a little company, sometimes you go to the dollar store to buy some, some things, right? But you don't make it too big a part of your life. Maybe a little coffee here and there, maybe a, call, 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 maybe a little snack, but it won't satisfy and you don't let it get too intimate. Amen. Come on, somebody. Right? Like, we don't make any long-term decisions with the dollar store purchases. I need you to know this is dollar store, and you got to understand I'm indulging in some dollar store treats, understanding that these dollar store decorations will be thrown away, right? Like, we have, yeah, come on. We, we, like, like, we got Christmas decorations that we drag out every year, but the dollar store ones get thrown away at the end of the season. Anybody know? I'm talking to somebody right now. You got to recognize if you're in a dollar store relationship and you want some generational gifts, okay? I, I, I have some things that hang on the tree that are just like, this is cute, but we will be throwing it away. Then there's others that I'm going to give my kids that they're going to put on the tree with their kids, right? My marriage is one of those gifts. See, this is a gift that's going to keep on giving, right? I, I got nice shoes, and then I got cheap shoes that look nice. I recognize when I throw away the cheap shoes, I'm, I'm not emotionally attached to them because they are just to look shiny for a second, right? So maybe you're just, you know, looking at what's in, you go to coffee, but just because you go to coffee don't mean you got to have kids with somebody, all right? All right, I'm going to leave it at that. But I don't know how I got down that road there for a second, but I need somebody to hold on to that. I need somebody to hold on to that right now. That will sustain you in periods of loneliness, that will sustain you. Yeah, okay, maybe I'll just go out to coffee with them, but I'm going to let them know real clear. <laughs> by, the sun by the time the sun goes down, we will not be together, right? Like, you just got to let it, you got to make it clear. Okay, this is not my message, and this is, the, but this is, but we got we to gotta, we gotta be real. So I could, you know, I tell women all the time, I could get you married by the end of this week if you want, but I do not recommend it, right? I do not recommend it. So you're not, you're not stuck in singleness, you're waiting for the right one. It's worth it. It is worth it. But be on the lookout. Amen. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Okay. <clears throat> now, uh, yeah, good Lord, the time. Okay. On the day of Pentecost, right, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, uh, the Holy Ghost fell on the people. And the people had no idea what was going on. People were unable to spiritually discern what was happening. And, 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 um, Peter stands up, who was uh, not exactly the exemplary disciple uh, in the Bible. He had all kind of issues, unresolved issues. He had intellectual issues. He had emotional issues, right? But by the time this happens, he stands up, and uh, he, he, we talked about this on Wednesday night. He stood up, and he's like, wait a minute. I have seen this before. I have felt this before. I've experienced this before. This is the Spirit of God, because I spent time with Jesus, I know what He is like, and so on that day of Pentecost, he stood up and, and he uh, preached to the people around him, and uh, he said, look, y'all don't understand what's happening, uh, but, but we do. We, we spent time with Jesus, and He, in fact, is the Son of God, He is God in the flesh, and He told us that He would ascend and that he would uh, send his spirit. Uh, we, we, we remember this experience when we lived with him. We, we, these sounds that we're hearing right now, the, the, the feelings that we're feeling, the, the, we, we, the, 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 the atmosphere. Uh, he said he would come back from the dead and give us his spirit. And, and hey, guess what, guys? This is 
This is what, what happened. And he preached this message for a minute because he actually was willing to be that guy that you wish you had at the beginning of middle school. Right? He was that guy who said, listen, I see, I see you look goofy. Your clothes don't fit. You're trying to look cool. This is not going to work for you. Your makeup looks atrocious. You, you, there's a reason people are making fun of that. And um, uh, wash your face. Right? right? Like, like, just that will fix a lot of things. Right? This is Peter. He stands up and is like, hey, wait a minute. This, this looks overwhelming, but there's actually a system to this. There's a promise. There's a history. There's a way forward. And he begins to preach to them using the Hebrew text about this day that was coming. He was wisdom. He was guide. He was an apostle. And then he says here in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, it says, And, and with many other words, uh, Peter solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Uh, you might want to underline that perverse, this perverse generation. That's an important one. Verse 41. So then those who had received his word were baptized. In that day, there were added about 3000 souls, and they continually devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and wonder and signs were taking place through the apostles. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? So what had happened was um, an entire shift happened in human history on that day. No bigger shift has happened since God breathed life into man. This is what, what theologians would call a new eschaton, a new age, a new era, a new season was happening. This, this, the new eschaton had been ushered in. And um, this new era in human history, this new counting of time, this new culture came along with it. And um, what we see in this is what we all desire. Verse 43, let's put it up one more time. It says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Man, that's how I want to live. This, this awe of God alive in my life. This is what happens when you get saved. When you actually come to the recognition that God is God and I am not and that he has a plan for my life and he puts before me life and death and says, you can choose death, you can choose life, but choose life that it may go well with you and your children, that you may live in abundance. He says, choose life. And when we do that, we receive the spirit of God and all of a sudden the world changes around us. We actually meet God. The God we thought we knew, the God we've talked about, maybe even mocked, we actually meet him. We become intimate with him. He's not a dollar store theory. He's actually the lifelong commitment that we have. And um, th this Holy Ghost opens up the word to us. And all of a sudden, worship becomes rich. And the angels begin to ascend and descend and begin to minister to us in ways that we don't even know. And miracles happen around us. And, and, and this is this new eschaton that we're ushered into when we come to faith in Christ and we desperately want to live in this new eschaton, but we lose it, unfortunately. We, it slips away and we meet God, everything changes, and, then, and, then, and then, it, then it fades. All of a sudden, it's like other things start to creep in and become a little bit more important. Have you noticed that? If you don't actively seek it, other things start to become more important, things you didn't care about when you met Jesus, all of a sudden start to creep back in. Forces that 
weren't as important as the fellowship with other saints start to become more important. And we wonder, did that thing fade or did I not do something to hold on to it? This is the reflection that we need as Christians and as as a church. What happened? Well, what generally happens as, as I have studied the scriptures and I've been praying and looking at our house and I've looked at people, I, 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 I got to tell you, the Bible gives us many promises, but the Bible gives us an equal number of warnings. Amen. And, and in the church today, we talk a lot about the promises, but we don't talk nearly enough about the warnings. And in the Bible, it says that we do not know when we are deceived. It says that even the very elect in the last days will be deceived. And the problem with being deceived is you don't know it. And if you don't have people in your life who could tell you, hey, watch out, that's, that's, that's offense. Watch out, that's pride. Watch out, you got, you, got, you got some idols happening in your life. Watch out. I just, the Bible tells us if, if we don't heed these warnings, then we fade away. And, and, and what has broken my heart more than anything else in ministry is, is um, you know, I've ministered to lots of people over the years, all over, I'd like to say all over the world, but all over this hemisphere, is not the people that I have witnessed to and did not choose Christ. I, I, I know that one, one plants, one waters, God brings the increase. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with just doing my part in sharing the gospel. I'm okay with just inviting somebody to church and I didn't see them show up. And then several years later, they tell me that they found the church and they got saved and on fire for God and they're a ministry team leader and praise God. I, 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 you know, I ministered to lots of youth early in my ministry and I didn't know what happened to lots of them. And now every now and then I get messages and they're like, I'm on fire for Jesus. I'm like, praise God. That's, that's good. Hey, I remember when you reached out to me and yeah, you reached out to me and you invited me to your little class and uh, hey, I'm a worship leader in Texas now. Hey, well, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm, you know, so we don't know what happens. Um, and so I don't, I, I, don't, I don't get heartbreak in that. I don't get immediate effects. What I get heartbreak broken by is, is the people who reject the warnings of the Bible and they elevate their thought process above the wisdom of God. And they start thinking that I can do the things that the Bible says don't do. And I'll get what God has for me anyway. And then they fall away. People, people that I have known with prophetic giftings, with, with, who, who, have, who have ministered to the saints, who have really committed their heart to God, have, have just committed the most unbelievable sins and uh, promoted these sins. And, and I've watched, the, the, the problem is it's like, it's like cancer in a car, excuse me, rust in a car. And we don't get it as much as South Florida, but in the north, if anybody's lived in the north, um, you don't see a car can look great, but they salt the roads, right? They salt the roads up there. And so in the winter, when they salt the roads, all this salt gets underneath the car, which attracts moisture, which causes rust, right? And this, this, this rejection of God's wisdom and his word is like that salt sticking to the frame of your spiritual life, attracting the enemy. And, and, and you look at a car, it looks beautiful in the north, and you, you have to get on the ground and look underneath it, and you look at the frame, the frame's completely rusted. And they already hit one bump, they already hit one bad accident. You know, it looks great until you get T-boned and nothing protects you and you get killed by an accident that you should have survived because actually the undergirded was completely rusted. And, and what, what grieves me is people who have read the word, reject wisdom, elevate themselves above the truth, and I see that their chassis is completely rusted out. 
And then I watch their children walk away from God. I, I, I watch their, their marriages start to fall apart. I watch just crazy, crazy issues all around them. And I know what's happening in the spirit realm. And I know how those stories end. And it's not my desire to put fear in anybody. But it is my desire to give a fear of the Lord. And the Lord gives wisdom for a reason. Because there is an enemy that we need to reject on this earth. The enemy who prowls like a lion looking for one that he can pick off from the pack. And if we're not serious about our faith, and we're not serious about the Word of God, and we're not serious about God's church and preserving the unity of the saints, if we're not serious about the things that Jesus was serious about, and if we are not sober-minded about what we do with our mouth and our tongue and our lives, then we are a trap for the enemy. We have a massive open door to the enemy. People who would never go to bed at night without locking their front door have created portals in their house for the devil to come and have a just have your way in my family, have your way in my children, have your way in my heart, have your way in my life. They think that somehow, though this book has given us 4,000, 5,000 years of wisdom that somehow they know better than what the testimony is of God over the last six millennia. And, 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 and they think that somehow they're above it all. And this, this, the Bible says this kind of deception and this pride is vanity and it is the devil setting you up for destruction. Say amen. amen. This, is the, this is the truth of God's word right here. I'm a football fan. And I uh, did not have a great football weekend, if I can be honest with you. Uh, my, you know, Florida won, which we're happy about, but they won to a very, very bad team, right? And, which is, and they barely won to a bad team. And when you barely win a fight that you're supposed to dominate, it's time to get worried. Fellas, if you get these messages, like, I don't know if you're getting them. I'm getting, I'm getting these phishing text messages all the time now, right? Like, and, and I was dumb the first time. They're like, Oh, John, thank you for the flowers that you sent. I'm like, sorry, I think you sent this to the wrong address. And they're like, oh, this isn't John? Who, who is this? I'm like, uh, this, is, this is Carl. And they're like, they're like, Carl, oh, life's been hard here. I've just been kind of lonely. How, how about you? I'm like, oh, that's the devil. I got you. Yes, you're a man in India. I know this now. <laughs> I see the profile picture, and nobody with that profile picture is sending me anything. That's not happening, right? That's not, that's, that's not actually happening. And, um, and uh, you got to be some kind of stupid to fall for that, right? Like, you, you got you to gotta be seven layers of stupid to fall for these kind of these things, right? And, 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 and if you find yourself falling for these things, you got to be like, hmm, I need a wisdom checkup, right? Like, I need, I need, I need, I need help in my life, right? And um, we... we we have, to, we have to recognize that we have these weaknesses and we need, we need to undergird some things that will keep us from falling. Like, like, if you keep seeing the same cycles in your life, it's time to stop blaming everybody else. Everywhere I go, this happens. Well, what's the constant here? You. The work probably doesn't need to be on the whole world. It needs to probably happen on you. Like, I just say that I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, but if you've had a string of bad relationships, it's time to get some accountability in who you're picking for relationships. Amen. Amen. Bring them around somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, bring them around somebody like, oh, I got to make this nice guy 
Let's have coffee with my friends. Okay, sounds great. You invite some people who got the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And they'll ask some little questions. Be like, oh, that's great. Look at it. He seemed wonderful. I mean, he's demonized, but you know, <laughs> seems like a nice enough guy. Guessing he don't pray in tongues uh, because <laughs> what his tongue was saying. I just don't think, you know, uh, you know, every time you went to the bathroom, he checked out every woman in the room. You might want to know that, right? You just want to bring these people around, some people filled with the Holy Ghost. And, 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 um, and so I am so off track today. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. See, some women's ministry is so anointed. They're pulling me. They're pulling me into their, their, their orbit right now. I, I just, I, I got to break free. I got I to be like a, like, a, like a rocket coming off the earth and break free of earth's gravitational pull and get where I'm trying to get here. Jesus, Lord have mercy. All right. So the, the goal here, if, if you need dating advice, just hit me up, apparently. I don't know. I, I don't got time for it right now. <clears throat> the goal here, though, is that we would live with the awe of God and miracle signs and wonders happening around us. And, and there's a reason why we see the church. I want you to see this. They, 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 they were formed in a society that absolutely rejected what they were preaching Yet here we are 2,000 years later, they, they, they won, like they succeeded. These, these 11 disciples of Jesus, they had one fall away. I want you to think about this, 11 guys in what's modern day Israel, like the government set out to murder them all. The institutions of the day wanted them murdered as well, not, not, not put in jail, murdered. These structures were designed to murder people who, who shook the foundations and came against power. These 11 guys. And today, there are billions of their disciples. Like, like they succeeded. Like, like, they, like they, they, they actually won. And you can too. But, but, but we got to do what they did, amen? Yeah, and so, you know, they devote, let's, let's look at this. The, the Bible says they, they devoted themselves to breaking free from this ungodly culture. Peter stood up and said, he said, um, we need to be saved. He didn't say be saved from the devil. He didn't say we need to be saved from our own sins. He said you need to be saved from this perverse generation. You need to be saved from this perverse generation. I love um, all the gospel tracts that we use, um, but I like the Bible even more, right? And, and, and he said, be saved from this perverse generation. And I just have to ask you, when you got saved, ha have you rejected this perverse generation? Or have you looked to, to get Jesus to help you excel in a perverse generation? We, we, I mean, we, the goal will determine the outcome. And we don't get the outcome God has for us because we set goals without God's instructions in mind. And then we get really depressed that we're not being successful in this perverse generation when God has never called us to have that as our primary objective. Is, that, is this making sense? And so, so Jesus came, the Bible says, to destroy the works of the devil. And God came to set people in a garden, the Bible says at the beginning in Genesis, a garden where we lived in harmony with God, we lived in harmony with one another, we lived in harmony with the earth, we lived in harmony with ourselves. And society comes against every one of those things. 
The society does not want you to have harmony with God because you're going to pick things that don't benefit them. Society does not want you to be at harmony with everybody because it wants you to split up. There is a reason that you pick the fashion brands that you pick. It's so that you can somehow mark yourself as not one of them. And then I'm one of them. It's the division at the very heart of it. There, there is a reason. <clears throat> there is a reason why our our climate is not doing well, and it's not because we have enmity with creation right now. We somehow think that we own it when we're called to be stewards of it, right? And and you know that society does not want you to be happy with who you are. Society wants you to buy their product so you can be happy with who you are. Their their whole goal is to make you not think you're pretty enough, smart enough, capable enough. Like this is society is built on that. And there are people making a lot of money on your insecurities. There are people in advertising firms all over the planet mining data on how to make you feel insecure and make you think that their product is the answer. We need to be saved from this perverse generation. We need to be saved from this perverse generation. Generation. Jesus came to destroy these works of the devil. And, and if you have children, you know that you have to, you have to keep this world off of them. You've got to have very intentional conversations with your children. You, you, you have to sit around the dinner table and let them know that what they're hearing is not actually the truth. Not that you know everything. Not, not that you got it all figured out, because we certainly don't. But at least I know when someone's lying to me. I can, I can spot the lie. And when your children, you have conversations, don't, don't be the know-it-all because, you know, Paul wrote to the, Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. He's like, listen, don't, don't provoke your kids to wrath. This is, I know you want to dominate them. Is, there's a new way, right? Like, actually think about how you're talking to them, right? And so with, with your children, you've you got to share some of your testimony. Don't just, don't, don't, just, don't just share with how you know everything. Let them know how you didn't know stuff before. And how you learn from that. Amen. <clears throat> you, 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 like, you can't just tell your sons, you know, that girl's no good for you. That girl's not going to work. That, that girl, you, you got to tell them things like, bro, I spent money on girls who didn't like me. I, like, like this is a, it's, a, it's a trap, right? Like, it's a trap. Yeah, she's being nice to you and you buy things for her and that's the relationship now. Y'all ain't dating, right? This is... Y'all ain't, sorry, ladies. <laughs> sorry, ladies. Got to let it be known. Like, you got to tell your sons. You, gotta, you just got to tell them. And, and, you know, it is what, like, and, and, I, and you got to tell them, like, if you're all right with that, that's all right. You know, you want to get a little, you know, a, a, a smile from a girl because you bought her the whatever. That's, you know, that's great. But you ain't dating, right? Like, we got to, because I've been there. <laughs> like, I, I actually fell for it. And I need you to know, like, it's, it's, this is not a long-term plan. Are, 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 is it, are you following me? We have to share this wisdom based on how we learned it. Not just that I have arrived, but I have a journey that I have been on. And this is where my journey has brought me, and I'd sure like to help you skip some of them things that I don't went through. And by the way, if you do it, don't do it with my money. <clears throat> Get your own money to do it, right? <clears throat> but we see, in this, we see in this scripture, it says in verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. And what we see the enemy has done in this, this society, I want to share this briefly, 
and kind of chart where we're going to be going the next four weeks. And I hope you come. I hope you make it a point to come to the house of God so you can be under this anointing and receive this teaching and bring people who need to get some clarity in their lives to gain some wisdom and get some control over their life so the kingdom of God can be established within them. What we see in this, this world, number one, we see ignorance. <clears throat> people act a fool. Anybody say amen? People act a fool, and then they're excited about it. That's, that's what's even more crazy. People act a fool, are excited about it, <clears throat> and then double down on their idiocy. I have not <clears throat> in my life seen so many people who are excited about not knowing what they're talking about. <clears throat> even after you explain it to them that they don't know what they're talking about. They do not care. This is why I do not get in theological debates any longer with anybody. I first tell them, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I tell them, and then they come back with their ignorance, and then I let them know why I'm telling them what I'm telling them, based on theological studies, based on the word, based on whatever, and then they come back with more stupidity, and then I let them know, hey, we're not debating. I'm trying to teach, but you're not learning. When you're ready to learn, come back, and I'll finish the conversation, right? People who want to learn, I'm more than happy to sit there all day and walk them into things as people have done with me. I've had to sit down with people and say, listen, I hear what you're saying. I respect you and the things you've told me in the past, but I don't understand or agree with anything you're saying right now. Can you please break it down for me till I understand it? And then once I understand it, I can make an educated decision if I believe this is to be the truth and if I want my life to line up with it. But you have to be humble enough to want to learn. But we do not have that today. We have a nation of experts who are completely, say it out loud, ignorant. And they revel in it. Like, I am so glad I didn't, like, we have a society today that's, that's, that's beginning to mock education. Why would people begin to mock education and tell people not to go to school? Because there are educated people who want to keep you stupid. If you have time, this week I want you to look up a YouTube video. <clears throat> I'd like you to read the book, but you won't, so look for the video. <clears throat> There's a uh, German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You may or may not have heard of him. He has been taken widely out of context recently. Uh, but um, he has this thing, look it up, it's called The Theory of Stupidity. Brilliant. Look it up, learn. Basically, it is, it's not the evil who are dangerous, it is the stupid. Because the stupid are easily manipulated by those who are educated. Those are the real evil people today. Those being manipulated. And you just see people who live their lives to, to, to gain a goal that will only result in their destruction. And I'm like, who taught you to think that this is going to work well? Anyways, so we have terrible ignorance in the world today. And, and we see this in the time of Jesus because they did not recognize the Messiah. And they knew the scriptures. That's ignorance. Amen. Number two, selfishness. Our society wants you to be selfish. This evil generation wants you to care about number one. Like you, like, <clears throat> I'm just going to be real because I believe the kingdom of God is going to offend some people uh, so that we can come into the likeness of Christ. Jesus died for other people. He literally gave up everything for other people. 
He lived a completely selfless life. But our society today says you only need to worry about yourself. Don't let anybody get over on you. Don't let anybody come up on you. Don't slow down for anybody else. You worry about number one. And Jesus lived the exact opposite of this life. The apostles lived a life the exact opposite of this. Now, as we travel throughout history, we see that what are called the Desert Fathers, they lived a life where they took this too far. They thought, okay, if selfishness is bad, selflessness must be better, and so being bad to myself must be best. That's another error. You can be selfless and treat yourself well. You're not helping anybody by allowing yourself to be abused long term. You're not helping you, you're not helping them. Right? Are, 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 we, are we doing good? Okay, so we see, we, see this, we see this ignorance, people who don't learn and don't care to learn. And then we see this selfishness that manifests in the world and again is celebrated. Our society is training people from children to be selfish. My wife and I were at a gathering recently of people uh, that we know, and um, uh, it was, I don't know, maybe 15, 15 20 people there. And um, <clears throat> it just so happens that this group of people that we know all somehow are very business-minded, and business is neither godly or ungodly. The people in it are godly or ungodly. Amen? Yeah, and if you're going to lead a business, that, that needs to be one of the focuses of your life, right? So uh, we don't all need to be monks. But everybody in this, this circle, everything came down to money. Every conversation circled back to money. Every conversation circled back to money. From young to old, circled back to money. And my wife um, is a therapist, and her practice is growing. Uh, praise God, and um, amen. <clears throat> and so she begins to share this with the people. And uh, she's like, yeah, I got more clients. I had this many clients today, and how many clients yesterday? She goes, oh, are, are, do they pay well? And she's like, that, um, that's kind of weird. That's not at all how I look at what I'm doing. Like, money has nothing to do with why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, and, um, and they ask about our church. And they ask me questions about our church. And I'm like, um, I'm not building Google here. Like I'm, like, I'm not building a construction company that I'm trying to get bigger contracts. Like, my wife and I have given our lives to helping people. That's, that's what we've given our lives to do. And um, <clears throat> neither one of us are amazing business people. Um, I'm not some systems guy who can run the church like it is Microsoft, where you just, you know, oh, that part isn't working good, get rid of it and put a new part in. Like, that's, we're people people. This is what we, what we do. Like, this is what I've given my life to. And I'm not the most selfless person on the planet. I'm not the most humble person. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exalting myself as some sort of example or my wife is saying, you know, we are the standards by any stretch of the imagination. But we have given our lives to helping people. And because of that, we have missed out on financial opportunities that these other people in our lives are capitalizing on. Uh, the one gentleman said, you know, I'm not really focusing on my main business these days. I'm, I'm focusing on passive income. And he's like, you know, what, what about you? I'm like, I just want to help people. He's like, what's new in your life? I'm like, just helping people. That's <laughs> just what I do. I study the Bible. I talk to God, meet with people, try to make their lives better. And then uh, God's going to have to figure out that other part, right? Like, that's, that's my life. I, I, I live, like, what's your retirement plan, Carl? 
I don't know. Bible says Jesus got that figured out. I'm just going to help people. I'm going to love God. Going to be faithful in this season. And, uh, you know, hope he's got a plan, right? That, like, that's, 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 that's my wife and my, that's our long-term plan. And, um, uh, uh, and, and, and this is, when you say this to people, even Christians, it's like you're speaking a foreign language to them. It's like you're speaking like, like, like we read a different Bible, like we know a different God. And, and they go to church and they're like, oh, we got this system. And then I was like, yeah, really? Oh, when's the last time you hung out with your pastor? Oh, no, no, we, like, like which pastor? The pastor of the church, the one that you sit under the preaching of the word. When, that, you had lunch with him? Does, has he prayed for you, laid hands on you? Does he know about this problem that you're coming to me about, you know, that you want counsel for? Have you, have, you know, you're calling me about these Bible things. Have you talked to your pastor? Oh, you don't talk to your pastor. Then he's not your pastor. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but, but then he's not actually your pastor. You, 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 you know, no more than, you know, Steve Jobs was ever, you know, the guy who sold you a phone, right? Like, like this, like, that's, that's, that's not it. Like, there might be a guy at the Apple store who may or may not be there next year that you buy your stuff from, but that you don't actually have a pastor, right? Let me tell you, you have a pastor in this house. If you're watching us online or you're sitting in here, you have a pastor. My wife and I have given our lives to helping people. And, and, I know I'm going long, but it grieves me when I find out that somebody had surgery or they're having some major life crisis. And, and I, I don't need to be all up in your business, but you don't have to do this alone. Like, there are people here. Like, we have given our lives to praying for you. Like, this is what we do with our life. We set up life groups so you don't have to do life alone. This is, this is what we do. We've given our life to this. You know, you, you have a, and you know people who are just like their life, they are isolated. They don't need to be isolated. There is a place you can bring them where they do not have to be alone. I hope you know that. I hope you feel that. I hope you can share that with the people in your life. This, like, this is what ministry is supposed to be about. We create atmospheres where the, the family of God comes together. Amen? <clears throat> Number three, this leads into it. So we have ignorance and we have selfishness and we have isolation. Man, our country's never had as big a population, and people have never been lonelier. Why is there so much loneliness in the world today? Because they have masterminded this thing to make you be in competition with everyone around you. And to be real is to be oppressed. This, this aloneness, this, you know, the, the statistics on how often single adults eat meals by themselves are staggering. It is staggering. We are not called to be alone, but this society revels in being independent. I, I'm a self-made man. I built myself. There's, you know, Elon Musk is like, people are like, oh, look at this amazing company that, that he built. His dad was exploiting South American uh, emerald mines. Like, he didn't do that on his own. Like, he built that on the back of slave labor in South Africa. This is, this is not a man who's self-made, but we make up. We make up these narratives and we celebrate somebody who does not have an emotional support network. That is not to be celebrated. That is not some sort of accomplishment. I've grown to this year and age and not developed healthy adult relationships. That is not something you want to brag about late in life. Amen. Is anybody following me right now? I feel like I'm making a better point than you're feeding back me. But that's all right. That's all right. But there's isolation. This is, this is what society is, and this is what Jesus experienced. 
when he started gaining, just you get a little bit of shine, watch what happens around you. People either want to benefit from it or they want to put it out. You know what I'm talking about. This is, this is, this, this, is this, this generation that Jesus said we need to repent of. And number four, self-reliance. Self-reliance. Men, this is, this is, this is our Achilles heel. This is, <clears throat> men, this, this is, like, and there's whole ministries devoted to encouraging this. <clears throat> and, and it's sin. It is, the, it is against God's design. It is against how we were created to be a body. It is against how we were created to be able to depend on one another for revelation, for, for promotion, for, I mean, like, we, we, like, there should be nobody in the house of God who is unemployed while somebody in the house of God is looking to employ somebody. Like, we should be able, like, this should be a place, <clears throat> this should be a place where we meet one another's needs, where we recognize we have needs and we actually celebrate the person who comes to meet needs. This is the house of God. This, so this is this, this is this, this, this perverse generation Jesus calls us to repent of this ignorance, selfish, isolation, and self-reliance. And so as a church, we say, what do we do about this? Does this feel a little bit like a lecture? Are we okay? I know this won't preach real good, but I, like, I got to lay a foundation for this series. Are we doing all right? Are we doing all right? Yeah, is this making sense? Yeah, good. I, 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 I want to help you. And um, let me tell you what, and, 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 and Stanley can attest to this. I really like when y'all get excited to jump around and, uh, and clap and scream. It feels good, right? It, I, I like it. I like the feeling I get when you do it. I like the feeling I get when I get to do it, right? Like, I, that feels good. But I need a little bit more than just feeling good for a little bit. I need to build some systems that that praise is ongoing. And, 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 and how do you do that? Countercultural formation. Got that for me here. Countercultural formation is, 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 is where we're going for right now. Countercultural formation. We need to be formed in a way that is opposite of our culture. We need to learn to reject the discipleship of the world and learn the ways of Jesus. Go ahead and type it up for me if you could, Suana. Counter-cultural formation. Now we got it. Counter-cultural formation. This is what we need. And we have to be intentional in our lives for to be spiritually formed in ways that are counter to our culture. <clears throat> It needs to be super normal for us for people to say, why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you like, oh, I'm a Christian. That's why. I'm, it's because I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. And we don't do that. We don't do it. We, we, I'm not going to go down that road. But we don't do it. <clears throat> and when we come to Christ, we have lived an entire life learning how to do something and we're comfortable with it. This is why people spend, um, continue to invest time in bad relationships. Now, if you're in a marriage and it's struggling, I believe God can fix it. I've seen it happen. I absolutely, if you form covenant with somebody and you're in a bad season, I, I, I'm not talking about people in a bad season in a, in a covenant relationship. I'm, I'm talking about you're being abused. You're, you're with someone who's toxic. Like, like you're in a, in a job that refuses to pay you what you're worth. And you know you could do better. Oh, gosh, okay, I got, I got, I got more to talk about, but I, I just got to tell you this. Your job is not your family. Anytime a job says, you know, we're like family, say, great, can you help me pay off my student loans? Can I come over and get some food out your fridge tonight? No? Then stop calling it family. I'm here for a paycheck. 
No, you're only here for the check? Yes, I'm here for the check. Why else would I come here? I would sit at home and make a sandwich if you weren't going to pay me. Like, of course I'm here for the paycheck. Let's, let's end this nonsense about these people own you like they're your family just because they give you money. That's prostitution. That is not family. Okay? I'm here to work. And if you can make more money, and, and, unless God is... Like, don't let people manipulate you. All right. So we get comfortable in this life that the world has built for us. There's a whole system. And the worst addiction in the world is comfort. It's not heroin. It's not pornography. It is comfort. We are addicted to being comfortable, even if that comfort involves heroin and pornography. We are addicted to comfort, and we will fight anything that takes us out of our comfort. Comfort's dangerous to, for the body. It's terrible for growth. It's disastrous for life. Just trying to stay comfortable. I don't want to do change because I'm scared. You, will, you are sliding toward a terrible future. You, we got we to gotta, we gotta get to a place like we, <laughs> we are bombarded daily with seeking comfort. And, and, and you just, and, and I got to tell you, people live disastrous lives and they tell me about it. And I'm like, yeah, this is a cycle and you have to be brave enough to break it. You got to be brave enough to reinvent yourself. You got to be brave enough to show up to work one day and you just dress different now, right? Like, or you just show up to school and you're like, yeah, I've decided that whole thing doesn't work anymore. I'm now going to hang out with this friend group or I'm going to dress this way. Or I'm going to actually learn from me, do homework, right? Like actually just, 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 just start, just, just as my daughter would say, be better, right? Just be better, right? We have to make this decision. And that means we're going to get uncomfortable. And, and <clears throat> this, is, this is like... And I wish I could cast it out of you. I, I, like, there's, there's things I've cast out of people. I can't cast out this love of comfort. You, 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 you have to... And, and this is not what these folks that we're reading about who are experiencing God, this is not how they were living. Let's look at verse 43 again. Holy camoly, I am... I might be a couple minutes late today, all right? But I feel like this is good, all right? Like, and if you're, not, if you're done before I am, the same door that let you in will let you out, all right? But I'm... I'm, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm here for a minute, all right? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, someone gets that for you today. Verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place among the apostles. But the, the carnal mind can't figure out how to live in this place of living in awe with God and seeing signs of wonders. And, and when, we, when, we, when, when the Spirit of God comes, He confronts us and says, we've got to get out of our comfort. You know, I, if you, you, you know that you've been in a good worship service if at any point in your life you just, you just say, God, I'm doing this, and you make some radical declaration, and after the service you're like, ooh, did I really promise God that? Has anybody, anybody been like, oh, did I really say that 40-day fast, or I'm going to give away all my money, or I'm going to completely, oh, that you know you've encountered the presence of God, because that's what made you think that. It's the Holy Ghost that made you think that, and the, the world has crept into the church and this conviction that the Holy Spirit brings. This is why we come into the house of God. This is why we worship together. It's why we read the Bible. We get this Holy Spirit nudging, telling us that things need to be different. We call that conviction, right? In the world, uh, there's, a <clears throat> there's a wave and two waves in the church that want to help you deal with that conviction without actually staying connected to God. 
If you've got to buy, if, you got to, if you're taking notes, write this down. There's these two extremes of the same thing. Go ahead. There's hedonism and there's legalism. Now, this day and age, we talk a lot about the hedonism in the church. Oh, that's not sin. God created you that way. God just wants you to be happy. He just wants you to be really happy. And so even if what you're telling me completely violates 4,000 years of history with God and the scriptures and the church fathers and everything we've ever known about God says this isn't, can't possibly be true, but you felt it must be true. Just give in to whatever you feel like. It's okay. God is love. It's a hedonism. Right? That's, the one, that's the one way the world has entered the church and told you to deal with conviction. The other way is legalism. Legalism says, I'll help you deal with your conviction by giving you rules to follow. Therefore, you don't need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Just listen to me. And I'll give, you some, I'll give you rules, and we'll judge you on those rules. And if you're doing well on the rules we've given you, you're good with God. Both of these are man-centered. And they will not produce a sense of awe, miracle signs, and wonders. The Bible says in uh, Acts 2.42, it says they were continually devoting themselves. This is, this is going to unlock the door for you. This is the beginning of spiritual formation. This is this, this prosecutorion, which I've pronounced really poorly uh, in Greek. Uh, I, 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 but I've studied the word extensively. This, 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 that word. Uh, uh, it means to persist, to persevere, to hold fast. Have you ever been in a worship service with a person who can't play their instrument well? Painful. That person did not persist in learning their, their, their instrument. You ever had a worship leader who did not sing well? That person did not persist in getting better. We need to, these people persisted. They were continually devoting themselves. And, and, and Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 7. He said this, he says, you have to, Train yourself in godliness. Go read that whole passage when you get home. You have to train yourself in godliness. Let me ask you, have you trained yourself in godliness? Have you spent, I mean, I, I see makeup tutorial videos, and I'm thankful I'm not a woman, number one, because that looks complicated. That looks so very complicated. Like, how do you even know which ones to pick, and how much to put on, and how to brush it, and how to, like, like, <laughs> I'm just really glad I'm a man in general. I just got to be telling you, like, like men wake up and I'm like, what pair of pants and what shirt am I putting on? That's it. Those are the decisions. What pair of pants, what shirt? That's all there is. Pants, shirt, I'll wear the same shoes every day of the week. Doesn't make a difference. Women, y'all got different types of shirts. Like, that's not a, it's not a shirt, it's a blouse. I'm like, I don't know what that means. And then they vary in length with, I don't, I don't know. And you can't, like, I don't. I don't know any of this, right? I don't, like women, like guys, you just, like what's in the front of the store? I'll buy that and put it on, right? Women, you got to be trained. You have to train yourself to look good. I don't, that, that's, does anybody in women know what I'm talking about? For men, that's like completely foreign. Like, like y'all had to figure that stuff out. I just cut my hair short and it likes to go in that direction. So that's the direction it goes in, right? Like that's it. That's, women got whole TikTok accounts on how to make the curl like 3% curlier. I don't. I don't, <clears throat> I've never once thought about that. <clears throat> what color should my hair be? Well, the, the color it's growing out of my head. Like that's, that's the hair color, right? Like y'all, y'all, but y'all had to train yourself in this. But have you trained yourself in godliness? This is the question that 
that, that he asked. Malcolm Gladwell in his, in his book Outliers, I'm going to try to wrap up very quickly here. He says that to be great at anything, you have to put 10,000 hours of practice into it. Now, we know that's not a rule. He's since kind of retracted that to a certain extent. It's not exactly 10,000 hours, and 10,000 hours doesn't always make you an expert. But you got to put in practice to get good at something. And we come into the kingdom of God, and we think, even though I've lived as a complete heathen, rejecting Jesus my entire life, now I'll just be great at godliness. I get married, and I don't need premarital counseling. I got everything figured out already. Oh, God, God, no, no. You so don't. You so desperately don't. I've raised kids. I, I, you know, I had a sister when I was little. I don't need any training in, child, in, in, in parenting. Like, then they're going to wind up just like you. Is that what you want? Is that what you really want? Or would you like them to not go through everything you went through? Then you might want to learn some stuff. Train yourself in parenting. Or, or, or is anybody following me here? I'm, I'm Stanley, come on up if you would. That'll make me hurry up. <clears throat> We, we, we need to devote ourselves to countercultural formation. We need to, we need to train ourselves in countercultural formation. We need to recognize the culture we're living in, and we need to train ourselves to live differently. I don't know if Sessie needs to come up or not. I just said Stanley. I don't know who's supposed to come up. I'm not in charge of these things. <clears throat> but we need to train ourselves in countercultural formation. Kierkegaard, and I don't have time to fully unpack this, but he talked about having this encounter with God and getting to know God. And here's what he said. He said, now, with God's help, I shall become myself. See, you have been formed into something by this perverse generation. And I'm not talking about sin or not sin. I'm not talking about being a good person or a bad person. I'm talking about not even being who you're supposed to be. Because this world has formed you into something else. And if you take anything out of today, I want you to get the idea that through counter-cultural spiritual formation, now, with God's help, I will become myself. Who I am called to be. Who I was created to be. He, he, here's what he said. He said, he said uh, for the modern man, the emphasis on individual existence, particularly re religious experience, as a constant process of becoming and for invocation of the associated concepts of authenticity, commitment, responsibility, anxiety, and dread. Kierkegaard is generally considered the father of existentialism. And it was his desire that we would come into who we really are. This is the philosophical theory that believes that each person can choose the direction of their life through their free will. And I hope today that you would do the same. That you would today choose the direction of your life by your free will, be willing to get uncomfortable and begin to train yourself in godliness. Amen? I hope you do this in every area of your life. I hope you, your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse or your family, your relationship with, with your, your, your employment. I pray that you would live this life on purpose, not waste it. Train yourself for godliness. Paul said in Romans 8 that the whole world is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Stand with me if you would. The whole world is waiting for what Kierkegaard said. The whole world is waiting for you to become your true self.
Does anybody get anything out of this? Give, give me a hand clap if you would. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> Thank God. Amen. I'm delaying while Stanley is figuring things out back there. That's what's, that's what's happening at this very moment. What's that? We lost Brandon. You'll figure it out. There you go. And guitar. Here we go. Here's what we need to do. You ready? I want you to commit yourself to becoming. Committing yourself to spiritual formation. And we start our countercultural spiritual formation by learn by leaning. <clears throat> by learning of God and leaning on Him. <clears throat> supposed to be learning of God. I'm sorry, I typed that up wrong. We start our spiritual countercultural formation by learning of God and focusing on Him. You're a rock star back there, Tawana. Here's how we start. It looks like this is a massive thing that you're going to undergo, but it's not. It starts with you looking for God. Looking for God in your life. Looking for God in the people around you. Looking for God at your job. Looking for God in your family. Looking for God in the struggles. Looking for God in the trials. So right now, I want you to begin to make a commitment in your mind. I want you to make a commitment in your heart that I, I, I am going to submit to the process of spiritual formation. And hear me. It's not just that Christ was formed in the womb of Mary. Christ needs to be formed again in all of us. In the church, in God's people, in Christ's bride. That's where all spiritual formation genuine spiritual formation begins it all begins in the womb of our whole, of our human spirits where the spirit of Christ has come to dwell and um, what I'm trying to do in this in this season I'm preparing the saints in this season for a time of renewal that I prayerfully yearn to bring a time of great refreshing and perhaps a great move of the Spirit. But as to start in our spirit, letting Christ be formed on the inside of us. And we need to devote ourselves to this on purpose. Amen? amen. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Give a clap offering to God real quick and just tell Him, I'm, 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 I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Now I want to pray for you before we go. <clears throat> We're going to sing our way out here today, but I want to pray for you. Father, I do pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray in the name of Jesus right now for all those under the sound of my voice that you are yearning to lead in the spiritual formation. Father, those who are away from you, but Christ needs to be formed on the inside of them. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would, by your Holy Spirit right now, show that these people, that we we need Jesus in our lives we may have known about him we may have known him on the outside but now we desperately need to know him on the inside we need to allow him to 
fully be formed on the inside of us. And if that's you today, you say, I need Jesus to be formed on the inside of me. I need to receive this Christ the Savior who died for my sins, whom the Father raised from the dead. So he continue to minister to my need. If that's you today, I need you to just right now between you and Jesus, I need, to, I need you to respond. I need you to lift your hands to God. I need you to lift your heart to God. Lift your eyes to God. I need you to lift your, lift your, just lift your countenance to God right now. And and believers, I need you to pray in the spirit because right now Christ is going to be formed on the inside of some people right now. If that's you, I want every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Nobody looking in the room, nobody from the sound uh, team to the worship team, nobody looking around. If that's you and you're saying today, I need Christ to be formed on the inside of me. I need to give my life to Jesus so that I can have my sins washed away and I start in this new relationship with God. I need you to put your hand up and down real quick if you would, please. Hand up and down. Yep, I see anybody else. Your hand up and down real quick. Yep, I see you waving it. Yep, yep, you can put it down. I see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's between you and God. I see it. Yes, 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 yes. I'm going to say a quick prayer, then I'm going to pray for you and then Stanley's going to lead us in worship. We're just going to ask him to start us on that journey. Are you ready? We're all going to say it out loud. Nobody's going to be singled out. Everybody, say it together with me in one voice. Say, Jesus, I'm ready to be yours. I turn from my sin, and I turn toward you. I receive you today. Wow. Wash me clean from my sin. Let me yearn for your presence. I want to be a disciple. Teach me to hear your voice and I will learn your ways. Thank you for saving me and I look forward to an eternity in heaven. Fill me with your Holy Ghost and give me power to tell other people about you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, give a clap offer to God. So let's sing together. Jesus. Come on, let's sing this before we go. Jesus, the only one who could ever. Jesus, the only one who could ever save you. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you, so we say, in holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you, open up my eyes in wonder, show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around. Check one. If you need prayer, you can come to the front. We'd love to lay hands on Check one. Sing it out. You can come front. We'd love to pray for you. 
you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bless you to go and be Christ's hands and feet, be his ambassadors reaching out to our world in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. We love you. Give a clap offer to the Lord. Have an amazing week.
give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can. Come on, let him know. I give myself So you 